Welcome back to an all-new, all-different episode of Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pablo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. Back with me again today, special podcast person, Alex. Hey, oh, oh my god, I'm here again. Oh yeah. What? What? How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I said delete. I said delete is I'm magic. <laughs> <laughs> How do I kick someone out of this? Uh, (laughs) No, glad to have you back as always. And if you did not read the show description or title for some reason, uh, we are talking about... I never read titles. Ooh, you like to live on the edge. We are talking about uh, M&Ms. Are they too hot to Mm. handle? Are they too sexy for us? As we'll get into shortly. (laughs) If you're unfamiliar, you will be sadly familiarized with this. So this is your (laughs) chance to turn back now if you don't want to be potentially scarred for life. That really is how it is. Like, if you keep going, you're going to be disappointed in reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a sad state of affair in in like all respects. And the actual story we're going to be talking about and uh, the other stuff we're going to be talking about. uh, Just terrible. (laughs) Turn back now, Eve, little faith. Uh, But before we get into that, first, our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that Mm. the opinions that we express here are simply that our opinions. We're not saying that we have ultimate truth. Or that only are well, not yet, or that not only are our opinions uh, the only like valid ones. So you can agree with us, you can disagree with us. We are open to other interpretations. Now, with yeah, that, do you want to sleep with an M M&M? and <laughs> Oh, let us know. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> so now, yes. As Alex alluded to there, we're now we're oh, talking God, about M&M's, right? So M&M's, the candy that you know and maybe love, but hopefully not literally. Uh, you know, it's a nice candy uh-huh. to eat. Chocolate covered in like, I guess, like a sugar, hard sugar substance. You know, come in a, mm-hmm. an array of colors, sometimes filled, right? So sometimes you can get the one with the peanut. The one with like peanut butter is actually really good. I don't know if you've um, ever had I, those ones, peanut butter I, filled ones. I will say peanut butter M&Ms are my, per- are my favorite. Oh, okay. So I like the one with like peanuts, just like peanuts. Uh, I like the the, the yeah. regular ones with just the, the, the chocolate in there. And yeah, I do like the one with the peanut butter. Those are all good. I like the minis, M&M minis. Yeah, I've always, I've always seen M&Ms as like, and this might be a hot take, I guess, <laughs> but uh, as the like better Smartie, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I hate Smarties. Yeah, Smarties fucking suck. And if you're in the States, I believe in the States, Smarties are rockets. So, so yeah. Oh, so if you're listening name? in the States, we're not talking about like the sugar pills that come in like the plastic wrap. Because <laughs> those are called rockets here. So, yeah, there's like uh kind of like a pastel colored, almost kind of chalky pill like substance. That's just like sugar and you eat it. Those are called Smarties in those the are, States. That's here, crazy. They're called rockets. What we're talking about Smarties is like not that. It's like similar to m M&M. and Yeah. So Smarties are like, yeah, they're chocolate covered. Uh, or sorry, they're chocolate that's like coated in like a hard sugary substance. Yeah, and like, like a an hard M&M. candy type thing. Yeah. Like an M&M. Yeah. And yeah, they, they're usually, they're bigger. Yeah, I think they're a bit bigger, but they also have like a chalkier, blander taste compared to m M&M. and Yeah, they do. Like the shell. They do. Like the chocolate. Oh, it's obviously chocolate, but the actual candy shell. Uh, yeah, it has a different taste to it, and I don't like it compared to to M and M's. 
So, uh, yeah, so if you're familiar with the M&M candy, yeah, great, love it, no issues there. Just on the candy, just, you know, of its, in and of itself, that's all, that's all good. Uh, recently, so like back in January, you may have noticed or seen or read or heard that they decided to rebrand their M&M mascots. So traditionally you have the red and uh, yellow M&M and like their commercials and like advertisements and stuff like that. One is kind of mean and one is kind of more like goofy or dopey or whatever uh, in those in those commercials. Mm -hmm. So you have like the red one who's kind of more like the mean one, I guess, or sarcastic or sassy. I don't know how you want to describe them. And then you have the yellow one who was kind of goofy or dumb or whatever. He's like a bumbling like Mm -hmm. idiot type. Yeah. And then I think in the 90s, they introduced the green M&M, which is like a girl slash female M&M who has like sex appeal. Like that's her shtick. Because apparently, I don't know if you know, know this, but apparently back in the 70s, there was a rumor that circulated that the green M&Ms were like an aphrodisiac. Yeah, I didn't know that until I read the article that you sent me. Yeah, I never heard wild. of that either. So that's why, if you're wondering why does the girl M&M have like this sexy thing for like a, a really an, an androgynous candy. Um, that's that's where it comes from. For some reason, yeah. the 70s, people thought that the green ones were an aphrodisiac for some reason. I well, and in, and in that article, it, it, it specifies that like the M&M's like branded, not to, didn't brand them as this, but like went with that in a commercial oh, in 1997 yeah. for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. Where they do like this skit where somebody approaches the, the green M&M and goes like, is it sure what they say about the green ones? And she goes all fucking crazy. Uh, but then kind of gets like suggestive, though. So she's like, yeah. no, that's not true. And then she's like, unless you want it to be, kind of. Unless you want it to be. <laughs> right? It's kind of like, <laughs> weird. We're talking about like a fucking candy. Like, I will say, yeah. it's a very strange, that's a super weird rumor to go around. Like, the 70s were a wild place. <laughs> like, it's a nationwide rumor that, that a candy on. is actually an aphrodisiac. Like, one, not even, not even like, you know, a delicate truffle uh, chocolate that only grows in, I don't know, the Iberian Peninsula. No, 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 no. The green M&M's. <laughs> yeah, this like mass produced candy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a weird thing. So yeah, so they decided to um, rebrand. So they had a couple of characters, like uh, I guess one for all of the, um, the different colors of M&M's. Mm-hmm. And so in this rebranding, what they decided to do was just kind of like scale back on the femininity of the green and the more recently introduced brown M&M. They wanted a fresh, modern take on the mm-hmm. looks of our, so Mars Inc., the manufacturer of M&M, on our beloved characters and more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self-expression and the power of community through storytelling. So they want to overhaul their look. So they did some minor tweaking in their physical appearances. So for the the two female M&Ms, they kind of like, um, like I said, reduce their femininity. So like the green M&M had like high heels. And so they like. Yeah, she had like, go- she had like go-go style boots yeah. and strappy heels. Yeah. So they like brought that down to just like white shoes, I guess. Like sneakers. Or, yeah. And same for the brown M&M. I think they redid her like glasses or something. So they're like more, I think, just like neutral and not like feminine type look. Sure. I'm not exactly sure how. Uh, yeah. How are glasses shapes, gendered? Gendered. But they do. They managed to like, like if you actually <laughs> they go. They managed to do it. They totally do. 
So normally this wouldn't be that big of a deal um, in doing that. Like it's literally, it's literally just a brand changing the look of their mascot. Yeah. Of their mascots, right? Like that's, that's five minutes worthy of news. However, however, <laughs> people were upset that, um, like the, the internet blew up. Yeah. This, it this got a up. lot of, of traction, especially like on social media. Because you had a lot of people who were um, upset, like I said, that they didn't make, that they reduced the sex appeal. I put that in quotation because, again, this is anthropomorphized candy. <laughs> uh, people were upset uh, uh, about the, the green and brown M&M. So part of yeah. what they did is they were called Ms. Green and Ms. Brown. So they dropped that. So they're just green and brown. Well, now all of them are just their colored names. Yeah, but I like, think it's not, it's not like even the red, red one, red and yellow before weren't called like Mr. Red and Mr. No, they yellow. were they were just called red and yellow. Yeah, yeah. So it was only the the girl M and M's that they emphasized the Miz and classic. Their name. So you know, you know, they're for the ladies. So that you know that they are fuckable. <laughs> Good God. Oh my god. Yeah, and the other thing is that they gave them all different personalities. But anyway, so people on the right love to bemoan wokeness mm. and 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 cancel culture and all this Wokeism. stuff. Right. Yeah. So they don't like anything that is woke. Now we're not going to get into like wokeness in and of itself cuz that could be its own that could be its own episode but um yeah writing down wokeness next episode question mark um yeah so people on the right were upset by this change by de-emphasizing the gendered nature of of the m&ms and i I personally don't understand why it's it's kind of nuts to me like uh i i think over i think overall uh, like a lot of people where a lot of people criticize the overall change right of the like rebranding of all of the characters right being like oh this is like too it's it's like oh they're trying to make them more inclusive now like yeah. they're oh the the orange one has anxiety everyone has anxiety these days right but partic- but i think you're right in particularly the female the the change of the female characters to be less gendered was the most egregious thing it's the thing that got the most attention got which the is most baffling because like yeah giving like them anxiety and and different like personality quirks not to say that anxiety is like a quirk but when you're kind of reducing it in this way though like for for, yeah it's certainly reductive it's true for for a marketing campaign like it's it's essentially becomes a quirk although although i'm not saying that anyone with anxiety is is quirky or anything like that but yeah it it definitely takes away (laughs) yeah but that's separate from the anxiety yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) someone can be quirky but that's that's different but yeah it takes away from the seriousness of any I guess, type of impact that someone may have or experience mm-hmm. being anxious or any of the other qualities that they, that they've given the, the, these characters. And so you can legitimately criticize them, Eminem slash Mars for, for doing this, for just kind of like, just trying to tap into, cause it this reads of like people on like a marketing board being like, hmm, what are the kids into these days? Oh, let's see here. Everyone's talking about how they're anxious. How can we tap? into that market with M&Ms. Oh, I know. We'll make one of them have anxiety. So that way the kids can relate. They can relate to the anxiety through M&Ms. And they'll feel like M&Ms are for them yeah. now because the characters are anxious, right? And then it's just kind of like, uh, okay, I guess that's a thing. But the major thing yeah. is 
the green m M&M. and So Tucker Carlson, and if you're not familiar with who Tucker Carlson is, uh, congratulations. Um, <laughs> he is a host on Fox News uh, of his program, I think, called Tucker Carlson Tonight or whatever. Uh, one of the most watched news programs in the U.S., I believe. And he went on a huge rant. Now, he wasn't the only person because, like, the one thing about, like, right-wing media is that they like to have a unified message. So if one person talks about stuff, they all talk about the same thing. Uh, so he uh, went on a rant on his show about this and complained, again, due to the wokeness, complained that there's a problem with M&Ms, the green one, the female ones, being less sexy. So he's saying because of like wokeism, uh, you know, they're trying to make them as unappealing as possible. Right. So this is this is a direct quote from him. He said, M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Uh, until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. That's the goal. When you are totally turned off, we've achieved equity. And it's like, what what the hell are you talking about? It's it's totally insane to me. It's totally insane. <laughs> you know, like what, like, what the hell is that? This proves that the guy's just unhinged, right? Like this, this just proves it that he's an absolute fucking raving lunatic. Wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. Did you want to have a drink with them before? <laughs> like they're candy you eat, like, <laughs> like straight up. I mean, I even even like my my criticism, I guess, of of this in general, the rebranding would be like, why? What was the problem with the M M&M and M mascots before? Like. Uh, to me, it just seemed completely we'll, unnecessary. Yeah, well, I know. I think we'll get into later that it might have been a bit of a cover-up type thing. Uh, oh, uh, to oh, yeah. Deflect from some For other sure. shenanigans, but like, yeah, no. It, the fact that this that it got this much attention when it truly is a bit of a meaningless thing, like, perhaps you know, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> maybe for maybe for people in the states like m&ms are a bigger deal right like i'm thinking that there's the m&m world in times square right Mm -hmm. maybe m&ms are crazy beloved uh candy and the fucking around of their mascots are is like somehow egregious but you know setting aside the the, like i can i could deconstruct uh (laughs) you know a, a, a cishet man comparing uh the sexiness of something that you eat to like you know the like the treatment of women and the the conception of what of of femininity in today's culture yeah uh but just in general man like (laughs) it's just baffling i i don't know i don't know words to say i think i i I think tucker carlson is coming from at this from like a, a point of like being a reactionary um newscaster Yes. means that you kind of have to take whatever stance you do to the extreme right uh so it's not totally out of left field <laughs> for him to be like well so the issue i'm talking about is the fact that they changed the m&m people and it's you know going into territory of like oh like they want to make things more woke and stuff but i'm going to take this to the extreme and be like well you made them less fucky and that's what i'm taking issue with <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. You do have to take these like extreme points of view to get like reactions and get like views and stuff like that. But it's just bizarre, though, because it's I super mean, bizarre. It's really reaching to say that 
M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? Like, every single cartoon character. <laughs> like, not even just, like, the M&Ms specifically. He's yeah, going on. No. Like, he's really stretching this. All of them. To, All like, of them are, to make it are seem like it's the end of the world. And I know this is, Which, like, what right-wing reactionaries do. They make every single thing, even though how, no matter how innocuous it yes. is, seem like, oh, the world is ending. That's why we have yeah, to fight like, back. Like, this is showing the, the inherent collapse of society yeah. under leftism, right? That's, um, their, that's their whole shtick. Yeah, yeah. And, but, like, most of the time, or 99.9% of the time, that's, like, not happening. It's no. <laughs> literally like okay we're going to i mean we'll get into maybe uh, again possible reason as to why this is the case but it in this uh, just at face value though it's literally just we're just mm-hmm. changing up the look of our guys like that's it it's like when the there... oh no sorry go ahead no please go for it it's like when the dr seuss foundation or whoever runs his estate was like oh we're gonna remove oh yeah some some of the books that were published under him uh dr seuss the original author uh we're gonna we're gonna take these out of circulation because they have uh kind of some harmful racist yeah harmful slash racist imagery of different groups of people so yeah we just decided we're not going to publish those anymore Mm -hmm. and then you had all the right-wing reactionaries go on about how oh they want to shut down or cancel culture it's gone too far, and now Dr. Seuss can't even... You can't even read Dr. Seuss to your kids now. What's the world coming to? Oh, and it's just like... God. No one forced them to do that. They decided no. to do that on their own. Uh, yeah. No one was really calling for these books to be taken out of circulation, and the ones that were taken out of circulation, I had never heard of. And I guarantee you 99.9% of the people had never heard of those titles until they announced that they're not publishing them anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, something that you just finished saying made me think of like, I feel like a lot of uh, quote unquote right wing like reactions to uh, either not, either cancel culture or things becoming more woke, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is like is is it? Be- and I think I think this is at the core of it. There there's an anxiety within people within those kinds of people that the things that they espoused and the things that they liked in yes. their lifetime and growing up and things that were potentially fundamental to them, like Dr. Seuss, like M&M's, whatever, were actually problematic, right? Uh, in, a, in a way, because that's what they're being confronted with in the, current, in the current day and age. Like the rebranding, like the under, undercurrent of the M&M's being rebranded is that they want to reflect a world that is more diverse, that is more accurate to how the world actually is. Mm-hmm. And to your to your low to your average, <laughs> uh, I guess I don't want I don't like saying right winger, but I, I guess it's the only thing I can use right People now. People who lean but, more to the right. Yeah, to your av- to your speaking. average person who okay to your average person who criticizes this kind of thing. That's yeah. a way better say, way of saying it. Uh, that immediately confronts their ideal of like oh there are or their like axiomatic thing right of being like well shit I like these things yeah. these things were fundamental to me. How, you can't tell me that that was problematic. That goes against my worldview that and they can't accept uh, I feel and, I, and I've noticed this in a lot of people who are critical of things that are trying to make the world a better place or to like represent the world as a as the way that they want it to be is that they is that they they have this reaction of like, well, oh, but in my day, it was fine. Right. Like mm-hmm. and they cannot do that mental shift to try to, to even acknowledge the fact that perhaps something that they held as a thought or as an ideal 
is potentially not good. They cannot be, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to feel bad. And so the reaction to that is to, you know, to, to stand strong against that and be like, no, that's shitty. I can't, they're all, out, and they're all out to, get, to do this kind of thing. They're all turning mm-hmm. the whole world like this, right? Like, because that's the only logical conclusion that the brain that cannot accept that they were maybe wrong can go to, to, to stay and to be comfortable in what they're doing. For sure. But I think that kind of fear is like stoked by these reactionary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Because at the end, like for some things I I could understand that, especially, you know, if it's um, some kind of work like a book or like a movie Mm -hmm. or TV show, which, you know, a lot of stuff uh, or painting or even an artist themselves or a figure, political figure or some kind of personality of some kind. Right. Like, yeah. You know, everyone has their 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 issues and especially depending on whatever the cultural climate was, obviously things back in the day were more acceptable in certain areas mm-hmm. uh compared to now where some things are kind of like off limits or not kosher or whatever, however you want to phrase it. But in this case though, specifically to the M&Ms, we're talking about candy though. We're talking about candy, <laughs> right? Like yeah, I like M&Ms too uh as a kid and even now still, but and we're talking about like they're advertising right like the mascots yeah. for it yeah like, i understand a lot of people like m&ms and maybe it's a big cultural touchstone in the u.s i don't know but again they're they're advertisements for a company and for a product I like know. it's not even something that's like a deep meaningful work like you could argue like a certain film like certain comedies <laughs> like from the 80s right where a lot of them are like date rapey and stuff like that right where it was kind of yeah. fun where it's like oh yeah this girl this chick's passed out let's go have sex with her because you know or or switching identities right where the girl thinks like oh i'm with my boyfriend but it's like yeah. our hero or one of the heroes like of the film right and it's like yeah i got laid and she thought i was this other dude right like yeah i could understand some people being upset with like the fact that oh now you're telling me this thing is bad and i grew up loving this movie or TV show or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? So in, in those instances, I can understand where some people's frustration or fear lies uh, with the maybe existential crisis that you're now faced with by being told that, Oh yeah, all these things that you liked and you grew up with and thought were normal. Actually, those are really bad and you're bad for liking them. Well, that's not like and a position that I would the, take. But that's the clincher, right? Yeah. That they are bad because they liked these things. Yeah. And I can see how sometimes people could come to that conclusion with the way that some people who uh, maybe are trying to be a little bit more progressive leaning the way that some of these things are talked about. You can definitely get a vibe on, on in certain circles where someone will be like, oh, how can you like that thing? Right. It has mm-hmm. this problematic problematic element to it so if you like that thing then you are also bad and and i don't think everyone always makes a good argument or case of like making a distinction between liking something that's problematic absolutely with that person also then being problematic because they enjoy something that's a total leap it's a total leap to be like oh i you know i i've read hp lovecraft and somebody goes well you know he was an anti-semite and awful person and therefore they're they're going from that to therefore you are an awful person for reading him yeah is a real stretch or it's a real stretch enjoying it it's a real real fucking stretch i'll tell you that much because it's not it's the same thing like uh like if you're an artist and you create like a work yeah, And uh, it may have elements or views that you don't agree with, but you're trying to address a certain issue mm-hmm. or something, or you may incorporate some other ideas that do- doesn't reflect your personal views on something. 
Uh, like one example for me is like for singers or whatever. Uh, sometimes people will sing songs, right. That talk about like party lifestyle or like wanting to be like, uh, you know, obsessed with like status and stuff like that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the person who sings mm. that song or who wrote that song, those are their values necessarily. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean that, that those themes are popular themes in like popular music. So yeah, you know, if I want to go mainstream radio or streaming or, you know, whatever the current method of listening to music is, uh, you know, those are good topics to touch on, like simple, fun party music, even though I may not be a party dude or I might not be into taking drugs. But, hey, I'll create a song about that and everyone's going to like it. That's a really good point. I wasn't uh, that's not the analogy I thought you were going to go with. Uh, OK, with no, it's because I see that sometimes where people try to make moral judgments, especially more of like female pop singers. Where they try to say that like the songs that they sing are reflective of their personality and who they yeah. are. And I'm like, yeah, that's not always a fair assessment. Totally. To make totally. about someone just because I sing about like party lifestyle or whatever doesn't necessarily mean I am a party animal. And that's what I love to do like in my spare time, like all times, basically. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I don't know. That's a current trend, right? And if you look back at all pop music, yeah, they talk about simple ideas or f- having fun times. Right. For like club music or whatever. Right. Like it's the thing. Yeah. If that's your audience, you may not personally do it, but like, oh, this is what people want to listen to. So I'll make a song that talks about that. Mm. And, and I can understand because sometimes you want artists who are authentic. You do have some people who are really tied, obviously, oh, in terms for sure. of expression of their music or whatever. Right. And they really want to music, especially be authentic. a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With what they're talking about and sometimes talk about issues that are personal to them. Like it could be something that they've gone through, like the lost the loss of like a loved one or like, uh, you know, difficult time or dealing with like certain, you know, stresses in their life. And so mm-hmm. something meaningful to them that they've expressed through their art. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but even then though, some of the things that they're talking about and how they're talking about something, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is how that person is. Yeah. To say that. that, to say that every song, like for, you know, to say that every song is like based on that artist's personal experience is a falsehood right yeah. like not everything a person writes is directly related to the exper- their experience and they and it, and people have that I- that idea in their brains about that especially when it comes to songs or when it comes to like film or writing especially right yeah. like that because there's this like underlying idea that you should be writing about what you know right or or, or music right like oh music is self-expression so you're always gonna obviously every lyric you experience that or you feel that or you mean that right and that's just not always the case i'm creative license and creative liberty is uh is a thing and people can kind of write about whatever they want <laughs> yeah no for sure so so because of that though yeah so when people tie that stuff to yeah. how they feel or how they perceived or how they're going to be judged in terms of like liking something a work that mm-hmm. maybe was regarded as either harmless or was just generally well accepted you know and now it's being recontextualized by a newer audience of people newer group of people new ideas take hold and yeah or like gay jokes and stuff like that i remember like tons of stuff yeah uh in the 80s and 90s a lot of things it was just like haha you're gay you like men god i i grew up making gay jokes and it was not cool so did i (laughs) because that's like that's what you did like you did not want to be gay 
Yeah, that's just not that's the, just not, what the not climate in, was. in in the time. Yeah, it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't cool. Even though you know, plenty of people were, and plenty of people were. Had yeah. we had even we been wiser kids, maybe we'd been like, hmm, maybe this is like harmful to those groups of people. But we didn't think about that. We were like, no, because kids. you're a kid, I, you don't really think <laughs> about the world in those terms, right? You just know that yeah. oh, I got called gay or other certain uh, f words, right? And it's just like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gay. What what what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You didn't really think about, oh, well, you know, may, how would someone who is gay actually going to feel with all this kind of teasing? And that thought, yeah. that kind of thought does not enter your head when you're like six, seven, eight, nine, no, ten. Like, you don't have the emo, you don't have the emotional wherewithal to think about that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so you grow up thinking that that's normal, that kind of behavior is okay and acceptable, and for a large part, like when I was a kid, that is the truth, and and actually still today in many parts of the world, that is still. Uh, the truth but as you grow sure. and you develop and then you realize oh hey wait maybe some people don't like being teased for something that they can't control yeah. right and you have same for different ethnic groups too right like you know 50 years ago yeah you could easily insult someone or make racial racial type jokes or you know and you could get away with it dress up in yellow face yeah the or... yellow face black face whatever as natives and it was fine. Like, no one's really going to say anything. But And then now you grow up in a new world where people do say something or it's portrayed as you bad. Know, and now you think like, oh, I'm bad. You know what I just, I I, re, I, I didn't rewatch this re- very quickly. I didn't yeah. rewatch this recently. But on the subject of that, uh, I was I recently encountered this, the, the scenes from, oh, God, uh, that Adam Sandler movie where Drew Barrymore forgets her life every day. Date? 51st dates uh where what's his face where rob schneider Ooh, rob plays schneider? An, in, yeah. an indigenous they're in hawaii he plays yeah. a, he plays an indigenous hawaiian and it's awful it's so bad i cannot <laughs> believe that movie actually adam sadler looked at that and went like yeah that's cool man that's good yeah do that because that's what you could do at the, back <laughs> so then you insane. could take any ethnic group and just like yeah you put on a funny accent and yeah uh, yeah hey it's rob schneider for <laughs> sake. this is funny because you talk weird oh my god you sound funny so it will be funny Christ. But yeah, no, so so then how the, to me how this relates to the whole Eminem shit fiasco uh, is like, you know, it, and to, to Tucker Carlson's commentary, the actual quote that you said is very telling, right? Like, uh, especially the first part, they won't be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous, right? Mm-hmm. Like this evokes uh, a, cons- a an anxiety that people that like, you know, Right, right-leaning people, the Tucker Carlson's of the world, are feeling about the world mm-hmm. becoming less gendered, yes, or gender having a less important role on society and how and how that interplays with people, or like and like trans uh, and like trans people becoming more commonplace, becoming more commonplace. I say in huge air quotes. There have always been, always been trans people. They They've always been around, but I think acknowledging they feel comfortable them. to to yeah. come out and society is acknowledging them, right? And that's the anxiety. There is obviously from that. And the but the, the way that I think that this has gained so much traction and people are like retouting what he's saying and actually believing like not what he, not believing what he's saying but going along with him is those people who like like us as kids were like oh like oh I also feel a little a little you know people who are like nah, I do also feel a little weird that the whole world is becoming a little more androgynous I thought gender what mattered a little more uh 
and potentially they are in spheres where people are judging them for that, who aren't giving them the space to be like, yeah, man, you know, that was kind of shitty, but that doesn't make you a shitty person. And you, if you, as long as you're, you know, grow and evolve from that. But those people who are, who are thinking these thoughts and who are thinking have the, have the seeds of the, of being real Tucker Carlson's right. That what he shit that he says like that appeals to them because he's like, they can see somebody who thinks the same way as them or who has the same anxieties as them, but on a larger stage and not getting reprimanded for it, not getting criticized for criticizing the counter the, 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 the culture of wokeness and the culture of make of this like androgeneity or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they can feel comfortable in that. And it's like a ripple effect, you know, where everybody goes like, ah, oh, well, well, yeah, if I mean, Tucker Carlson's shitting crazy about the, these M&Ms, I'm going to be shitty about I mean, these M&Ms are totally whack. And of course, nobody understands the underlying thing is this whole anxiety of the world being a different way than you thought it was and not being able to grow and develop from that. Right. It's a whole fucking cluster form. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of like a quote from The Simpsons where uh, Principal Skinner's like, am I so out of touch? It's like, no, yeah. it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> right? Oh, so it's like that. Sense. It's like, you know, yeah, society and the world changes in, in small ways, not always significant ways, but in small ways. And yeah, it's enough to like disrupt, like I said, people mm -hmm. to, to where they have like an existential crisis where they feel like, uh, they're bad or they're made to feel bad for, for, yeah. for liking something that now has been deemed like problematic. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to watch the Tucker Carlson thing, cause oh, he goes a on treat. a whole rant for like it's a five treat. or 10 minutes or something, right? I'm not going to really gets into it. It's fucking yeah. nuts. So we read you a quote there. So that's, you know, the scale, right? So obviously like, uh, people's responses to this obviously were like, you know, it became like a huge meme. And there are a lot of articles that were put out in response to like saying like, well, does Tucker Carlson want to have sex with like these M&Ms? Because it's like, why are you talking about like the <laughs> talking about them being sexual sexy. appeal, right? Like, it's again, like the idea of wanting to go have a drink with them. Yeah. I'm like, and it's so <laughs> like, I would not want to go out with a weird anthropomorphized M&M. <laughs> like, I've never had that thought. It's super funny too that he was like, you know, they're making all of the cartoon characters less appealing. Yeah. When cartoons, have you looked up Rule Thirty Four? Like, you could just show how how he does not know what the world actually is. Cartoon characters are, I by far, the most sexualized thing that you can find on the internet. There is like fan art and sexy, like sexual fan art of countless Although, cartoon characters. Like Every single cartoon character. But I, guess, I guarantee you there is a sexy version of them out there on the internet. On somewhere. the internet, yeah, made by other people. But generally speaking, you don't have that unless it's no, like made as an adult, an adult cartoon. Sexy. But like the companies themselves generally don't don't take that no. angle uh, so no, much. for sure. Because um, it, it's, it's kind of funny because like in one of the articles, I think the Vice one, they talk about the redesign of like Lola Bunny for like the new mm, Space Jam yes. film. And people complained about that, too. They're like, oh, they made, again, as an example of, like, wokeism and, like, cancel culture and all that stuff. Oh, we can't have a sexy Lola Bunny for the we new Space Jam. can't have a sexy rabbit anymore. And I was like, what? Like. <laughs> Glad you just outed yourself as a furry. Uh... <laughs> what? Like. Like, listen. It's we like can't, a different take on the character. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a redesign. I mean, it's not like. It was made at, or, or the new Lola Bunny was made as a grotesque or anything like that. Like, no, 
she's just a normal normal looking rabbit now no, she's not a sexy rabbit not a sexy <laughs> maybe not as yeah because i guess you could argue in the original space jam she's made to be a little bit more she's, like vavoom, she's, right? She's, she's made to be a little more vavoom for sure but like it was nothing crazy it's not like no. she had like huge hips and no, like no, really she, exaggerated like lips and all this stuff it was like her up in a bikini i don't yeah. fucking know it was like <laughs> okay yeah 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 that's a girl rabbit me to you know appeal it's like a to bit bugs. of a curvy rabbit yeah it's like okay. it's a curvy rabbit with some with some boob like, right like <laughs> okay like it wasn't anything insane so when people were going on again i was confused i was like just pop it off it wasn't made like to be hideous it's not like you yeah. looked at the new lola design and was like oh my god they made her into Dude, like a monster disg- disgusting no no no. they were like where just... did my sexy rabbit girl go you know where so did my se- where did my sexy rabbit girl go? odd odd thing to get enraged about <laughs> That's one of the problems with the internet. It just really feeds off your worst impulses, oh, especially for like sure. Twitter and stuff. Like it's really tailor made oh, yeah. through like algorithms and all that because it's what go- goes by like engagement, right? So like, yeah, if you can get yeah. people pissed off, uh, you know, on Twitter, on different like uh, platforms, uh, on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just like that's what's going to appeal to people. And that's the easiest, lowest brow stuff to do is just make things where people get pissed off. It's super true. We talked about this on another episode of the show with uh, with Dexter, I believe. But yeah, like you if you're commenting on something or putting something out there on social media, your best shot is to get something kind of fucked up to say. Right. Because well, not, like only, not, not only not only that. Yeah. Not only that people not only people who, you know are against you will vocally will comment and will will like reply to you being like oh you're so stupid what are you talking about you're fucked up right but the people who are into that who have that same opinion will also comment and be like yeah you guys support this and they'll have their own they'll branch off into their own replies and their own comments in their own threads right and they'll branch Mm -hmm. off into their own threads and it just creates a huge it, it it boosts engagement like like you said yeah yeah, then to yeah, it serves when you do that with that reactionary thing, it serves to cover like all your bases. Yeah, so you'll get the people who will push back against you, but then you'll also get the people who are going to agree with you. So you got yeah, you know, pretty much majority of people covered by yeah, by doing mar- so. You know, from a marketing standpoint, like it's very it very well could be that Eminem was Eminem's was like we're we total because like. You can't just, you you can't re- in this day and age think like they just made this decision out of nowhere. No. They for sure went by a hunt by like twenty different marketing execs. Uh, they drew these. Co- they they had like five different drafts of the green M and M from least sexy to sexiest. <laughs> and somebody in that company was like, you know what, this is gonna do. This is gonna go fucking viral. And the most viral take is if we make it like. Uh, purposefully, if we say the words diverse, if we say the words like uh, trying to represent the world, oh, we're gonna get, we're gonna get the Tucker Carlson's of the world and the the leftists of the world both being like, ah, yes or no, oh, no, and then they're gonna fight each other, and it's gonna be like a crazy cool marketing move for us. People are gonna be talking about M and M's until what day are we today? Until <laughs> May twenty seventh, and this happened in January. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, I'm not really on the pulse when it comes to talking about these subjects, but <laughs> that's okay because the point is that we'll get to in a second because because uh, now we're going to transition to like maybe why uh, mm. Eminem did mm. this beyond simple potential uh, you know marketing reasons to gain attention or whatever. So last year there was a, a lawsuit. 
Yeah, get ready, y'all. <laughs> that was launched against many um sorry, one second. Many like purveyors of like chocolate. I've got the list here if you want. No, I got it here too. But I appreciate cool. it. So we have uh Nestle Cargill Berry Calabout. I'm not sure to pronounce it. I've never heard of that company before. I think, I think that's right. Uh Mars Olam Hershey and Mondelez. So uh, those are, uh, I guess like food slash beverage companies that, mm-hmm. uh, make not just chocolate related things, but a whole bunch of stuff like Nestle yeah. is like one of the largest like food and beverage companies slash conglomerates. They own, a, they own a, they own a lot of shit. Yeah. If you haven't looked up how much shit is under Nestle, it's, it would baffle you. Yeah. Uh, water too, bottled water, Nestle. So if we ever get to a topic about that, but that's like a huge thing because Nestle buys up, you know, the water rights of a lot of communities. So that way they can bottle all the water themselves and sell it at a profit, uh, you know, when something like water should be human right. But that's another topic for another day. Uh, but yeah, and also Mondelez, which is like formerly Kraft, Kraft Foods that spun out oh. their food division. Yeah. So if you're wondering what that is and Hershey, I think Hershey's a well-known uh, chocolate. Yeah. American Chocolate Company and Olam and like Cargill and Berry. Uh, I've not really heard of before, but basically these companies make chocolate products. And so what they do is they source cocoa or cocoa uh, from the Ivory Coast and different West African countries. Yep. Uh, That's where they get like the raw material that they then process into different uh, chocolate primarily products. Yeah. Yeah. So a lawsuit was uh, brought against them. for what the, uh, uh, I guess the victims in the case claim that uh, those corporations were aiding and abetting the illegal enslavement of thousands of children on cocoa farms in their yeah. supply chain, right? So this is, uh, you know, obviously not a light topic slash accusation that's brought against uh, these companies, right? Not at all. So um a lot of people mean to be to be fair it's not like the first it's not the it's not the first time this kind of thing oh no this has been talked about for like yeah like the production of cocoa in west africa's been like linked to fucking human rights abuses forever probably yeah ever since the slave trade has probably made a thing like yeah uh, it's been and the same like for other things like tobacco um coffee right the Mm -hmm. beans uh sugar uh, that's what like oh, a lot yeah. of slavery in the like West Indies, like Caribbean was, right? It was, yeah. we need people to process uh, the sugar and uh, we don't want to do it ourselves. Uh, in the mm-hmm. U.S., cotton, right? Like part of the uh, transatlantic slave trade, right? So like all these raw materials that are very difficult to grow and farm uh, and harvest uh, generally relied upon slave labor. And so we like to think of ourselves as a progressive and having eliminated slavery. Uh, in the world, but it continues to exist in many different forms in different parts of the world. Absolutely. And so uh, these companies have been profiting, profiting off of uh, apparently uh, child slave labor found child, on, child slave labor. on these cocoa farms. Yep. Uh, so the people in this case were uh, originally from Mali and they said that they were coerced into uh, basically working on these farms, uh, let me see here. Like for several years with no pay, no travel docs, no idea how they were going to get to their families, right? Uh, and like the lawsuit itself was mostly about how like, because like 
the way that these companies get away with these this kind of thing is that they don't like own the cocoa farms so they're like oh we don't know what happens on those farms right yeah it's all but like the, subcontracted yeah but the allegation so the allegation in this lawsuit just to be clear is like despite that the fact that they didn't own the cocoa farms in question they knowingly profited from the illegal work of these kids yeah right? where whereas they would have you know had to provide lower prices if they had employed like adult workers with like proper equipment, for example. Yeah. So they said that they were recruited in Mali through trickery and deception, and they were trafficked to Cocoa Farms in the Ivory Coast. And they said they were forced to work there for several years or more with no pay, uh, no travel documents, as you said, no clear idea mm. of where they were or how to get back to their families. That's fucking it's ridiculous. So, yeah, it's pretty terrible uh yeah so you have like these young kids who yeah get coerced in, you know into probably wanting to support themselves slash their family well, their families then, yeah yeah you get people who say oh yeah okay you need work okay come we'll we'll set you up with something right and they get whisked away and they don't know where they are uh you know they're kids uh, they don't have any like actual documents they're just taken they're told to work in like pretty deplorable uh, conditions because this is not easy work otherwise you wouldn't have any need for slaves if it was simple work mm -hmm. that anyone could do mm -hmm. uh, so um, part of the work that they did was applying pesticides and herbicides without protective clothing which mm. is uh, yeah mm. and one of the one of the plaintiffs in the suit said that he had visible cuts on his hands and arms from machete accidents because I guess they have to cut down the different plants slash uh, dog stuff going on there because I, I don't know I've never been on a cocoa farm I'm not exactly sure what you have to do but uh, obviously it's very labor intensive work yeah uh, he said that he was promised payment after harvest but he was never paid for any of this. Uh, they were fed little, they had long working hours, they were kept alone or isolated from, uh, other child workers who spoke different dialects. So one way to keep people obviously under your control is to isolate them, but not physically necessarily isolate them, but put them around other people who don't speak their language. So you guys can't communicate amongst each other to maybe try to escape or try mm -hmm. to, uh, overthrow or demand better working conditions because I'm not exactly sure how everyone ended up there. But, you know, it's basically to break your will and keep you compliant, right? These kind of acts that are done. So what these companies do, and this is not uh, only in terms of, um, uh, you know, working on some type of farm or that kind of like labor, but a lot of companies do this where they outsource work to uh, overseas um, where they pay like low wages and like no um, government overview in terms of like workers' rights or anything like that. Um, they, yeah, they do that for um, to 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 have like no costs or low yeah lower costs, right? Well, to save them yeah. money. When you're not paying for your labor as much as you would here, you're generating like crazy amounts of profit on what you're when you're selling afterwards, right? Exactly, and and as you as you mentioned before. Uh, the companies, um, you know, obviously say, yeah, we don't own the farms, right? So what, what they do in terms of getting out of legal liability is by saying that, oh, that's their responsibility. Like we don't actually, mm -hmm. the, we just get the end product, whatever they do. Like, and then yeah. we take over from there. It's the same thing for like clothes and the electronics and stuff that are made. Uh, you know, you may buy something from Apple, but Apple doesn't make the thing, right? They contract it out to someone else who makes it so 
whatever goes on in that overseas factory in China where they make like iPhones, that's their responsibility. That's not our responsibility. Now, all these companies have, and this is part of their defense of saying that, you know, they have strict policies about uh, ensuring that there's no slave labor in their supply chains and all that stuff. But realistically, <clears throat> there's no way for them to know or they purposely don't want to know if you don't That's want to give the them thing. the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah, literally. Like how's a CEO in Washington or whatever supposed to figure out that what's he gonna go looking through all of his all the workers out overseas to like look at that? And yeah, as you said, even if that is brought to someone's attention, right? Like that ship usually gets muffled. Because it doesn't look good. It's not good for business to be accused of fucking child slavery. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if they can keep ignorant, they're going to do that. They're going to say, of course, you know, we it's the same thing whenever any kind of gender or racial discrimination comes up at a workplace. The company's always Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, well, we have policies where we strongly denounce any kind of discrimination against gender or identity or or uh, or race or, you know, anything like that. They all say that. They all say, but yet it still continues. And it's the same thing here. Well, they're all going to say, yeah, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't work with any suppliers that have it. We make sure that we don't have, but you know, it's happening. I don't believe that these people who lost, who launched this lawsuit are, 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 are making, making it up. Why would they make it up? (laughs) Like people are always like, oh, well you don't, you, you know, with these like victims, you can't always trust them. It's like, brother my brother in christ why (laughs) why would they just make that shit up oh well you know to get to wring some money out of these out of these companies they fucking worked for the seven years on a plantation where they didn't make any money yeah where they were treated so like worse than you worse than people worse than regular people should and in many and in many scenarios like uh where it's not slavery but i mean it's almost like near slave wages like for a lot of these supply companies anyways because if you actually were to go to like china or taiwan or indonesia and actually look at the fact no one here listening to this podcast would want to go and work there there's just no way because the conditions are horrible like uh i think it was almost like 10 years ago now where they had that collapse in indonesia i can't remember was it in nepal oh it was like a garment factory that was like not oh, properly shit. built and like the yeah. building collapsed on all like the clothing workers and stuff like that. I remember that. Like those are the conditions that 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 people work in over mm-hmm. there. So and that's just that's textiles. That's making clothes and stuff. And and you see like like they talked about uh, in, in the article, which I'll have in the show notes there. where They talked about right the kids have to do um, pesticides and herbicides without any protective clothing and stuff like that. When they make our clothes and, and different products and stuff, when they run those machines or those processes, like everyone's doing everything like freehand. Like there's yep. no safety things put in place and you're dealing with like dangerous chemicals, right? It's not just like, oh, it's just water. Oh, if it gets on you, the worst thing is that you're wet. It's like, no, no, these are like acids and bases and uh, other chemical compounds that can like really hurt you. I mean, immediately uh, in some cases, if it were to get on your skin, but even just through prolonged exposure, especially with different sprays and stuff like that, that you're inhaling, or even if you're like cutting wood or something like that, and all like the fine dust that you're breathing in uh, all day. So it's just like all these fumes and stuff that you're exposed to. So you, you get a lot of like long-term uh, effects to your health because because of this stuff. 
right? And there's nothing provided by the company because, again, these are countries uh, where there's no government regulations at all. And the companies themselves aren't going to do it because I'm no. sure whoever owns these companies probably aren't making a whole lot, at least compared to the retailers or companies here in like yeah. North America and Europe that, that sell these products generally for way more than whatever they paid to have them made. Uh, you know, so why are they going to do it? Yeah. Why are they like, going to ensure health and safety I thought, standards? I, exactly. I thought I just had was like, uh, you know, people, people who look at this or who are critical of this kind of thing can say, we'll be, we like, oh, well, why aren't they changing the laws in these countries uh, to do that kind of thing? Right. Why is anybody making a stink about it over there? And the truth of the matter is just like you said, Pat, like the people who are at the top in those situations, that's a pretty sweet deal for them. All things considered. Right. Like the uh, in the article, it goes on that, like, you know, the Ivy Cross produces like f- about 45 percent of the global cocoa supply and they are already like in a humanitarian disaster. Right. Like they're, they, they have a they have a crazy amount of poverty in that country. Right. So even just yeah. being at the top of those being like a, a, a I guess, a, even a manager at like one of these farms. Right. Is more beneficial to you than trying to do something else right and the government's in power in those places not enough people in those places are just like obviously people are dissatisfied but there's not a system in place where if if they did change if they did try to change that that would get quashed right it it wouldn't get wide enough support because the whole fucking system's fucked yeah everybody's dealing with these conditions right no for sure it reminds me of uh there's a show on netflix i can't remember what it's called but it talked about how like different things uh, in our society that we assume uh, work well don't actually like work well so one of them was yeah like, like recycling for example right like we're told that you know this is how we deal with stuff to recycle you know you put in the blue bin and you know it gets taken away and it gets magically reconverted back into like new product when uh re- what actually happens is that that's not it like especially when dealing with plastics and dealing with metal glass. Like, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. You can melt it back down and make a new product. But for plastics, it's like you really can't recycle them that well. Yeah. Right. So it's part of the lie that we're sold. Uh, so companies don't have to change their ways and they can continue profiting uh, in the business model that they have because they would rather continue to make profit, even though if it's harmful to us and to the planet, but as long as they make money. One of the episodes dealt with furniture, specifically like from Ikea. So Ikea sources its wood from various sites uh, in the world uh, to make their their furniture, which generally is crappy for the most part. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like great quality. No, no, no. It's 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 rather shitty. Most of it is like particle board, essentially, um, which is like ground up like wood pulp that they kind of just like glue together and fashioned into like a wood slab compared to something of high quality, which would be like solid slabs of like a hard or soft wood. And that would make mm-hmm. your thing sturdy. Part of the reason why Ikea does it is of course, to reduce costs uh, for them. Uh, you know, because if you've never been to Ikea, basically when you buy something, you have to assemble it. So anything that you buy from Ikea comes in pieces, you have to put it together and the way they make mo- some things are like solid wood, but a lot of their stuff is like this particle board uh, yeah. type stuff. So it's, and I understand why people buy from Ikea because like legit high quality furniture is very expensive. 
<laughs> very expensive very heavy yeah. like uh, like i bought a new couch recently and like when i was looking for a couch i was like uh some places like the least expensive was like 1200 like canadian dollars Ooh. you know and i'm like and after looking for prices of couches i'm like oh okay i understand why people go to buy stuff from ikea because it's like way cheaper it's not good quality but it's like way cheaper if you can't afford you know spend like twelve thousand on a couch i can understand why although a couch from ikea you wouldn't assemble but like things like drawers and like uh desks uh and like cabinets and stuff like that you generally put together yourself but anyways where they source Mm -hmm. the wood they're not supposed to source wood from endangered forests oh pav right oh don't do don't i'm sorry if you love ikea they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to. They have a thing, or, or like all companies, they have their statements about how they don't do that. They yeah. don't engage in that stuff, right? But what happens is when I was watching this thing, and I unfortunately I can't remember the name of it. There's, I think it's in Romania. So there's like an area that is a protected forest. And again, IKEA itself does not log, right? Like log as in like cut down trees. Uh, yeah, they're not log, They're not a logging company, but they probably right? like employ. A they get their company, wood right? from supply chains, from suppliers who either do it themselves or they get it from someone who logs yeah. wood, right? Or logs trees. Uh, and there's like an area. I think it's in Romania, and there's other parts of the world too. But uh, there's this protected forest, but there's no one enforcing that no one logs from this protected area. So companies go and do it because uh, I mean you can say you can make something illegal or have a policy against it in terms of like local government, but if no one actually goes out there to stop you, who's who's actually going to stop you? Yeah, right? if no one's enforcing it because people will still go. You can say, oh yeah, don't go there, but if no one comes out to stop you, or you know someone does come out to stop you, but hey, we'll give you fifty bucks if you look the other way. So what happens is people go and log these protected areas, take them to IKEA. Right. When Ikea actually like buys, it's like raw, raw material. And Ikea just says like, oh, well, we can't always ensure that everything is not uh, taken yeah. illegally, like taken from protected forest areas. And that's what it comes down to. And the same thing for these chocolate that's companies it, yeah, where it's like thing, the yeah. volume that comes in is so much. We are not going to dedicate the time to actually go and check to make sure. And it's the same thing for Ikea. Right. They're like. I don't know if they said this explicitly, but this is the idea from people who mm-hmm. are actually like on the ground. The company itself would never say this, but people are like so much comes in that there's no way to actually check for us to check, like I check mean, where it's coming from, check what the prices of you the could, place that they're coming from. But that is, would cost like, too much in profit, right? Yep. Like, so I'm not saying it's impossible, but no one wants to spend the time and money. And it's the same thing for these chocolate companies and verifying their supply chain. Uh, the farms that produce and harvest this cocoa they're not going to spend the time to go in and look and make sure that none of it is actually being, uh, and none of it is actually being produced through like slave or child slave labor. And so now you're thinking, uh, you know, okay, what does it have to do with the M and M's thing? It's like, well, this is, this is part of it. Right. So like, well, yeah, around the time that the, cause this lawsuit ended up going to the Supreme court where it was rejected. Uh, because they ruled that, uh, you know, there was not enough of a correlation between American companies and the outcome uh, of the farms in in Ivory Coast to say yeah. that there's a strong enough like, connection. You said that so quickly, but just to just to reiterate, Sorry, yeah, yeah, right? Go ahead, go ahead. So this was the first time that this class action, a class action of this kind has been filed against the cocoa industry. 
specifically in a U.S. court Mm -hmm. by the International Rights Advocates, which is a human rights firm. And around the time of the whole Eminem shenanigans fiasco, the decision that the Supreme Court rejected this lawsuit came out. Right. And so... Coincidence? (laughs) So this can serve as like a diversionary tactic amongst Mm -hmm. our society uh, in the U.S. and Canada, Europe, wherever this took hold. Uh, you know, as a way to obfuscate this this ruling that came out. But even before that, even when the lawsuit was launched, I hadn't heard of it. It's because, like, in our society, yeah, like, generally speaking, we don't care about this stuff. I mean, people will no. say, like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, believe in, like, in slavery and, and whatever. But, like, when we're actually presented with, oh, well, look, uh, a product that we consume, because, you know, M&Ms are very popular candies. Uh, and other chocolate companies that make food products that tend to be popular. No one wants to go look at that and be like, oh, wow, me supporting this also inadvertently. Because, I mean, if I buy M&M's, I can't control how they're made. I just I see no. the end product. But no one, and it comes back to not wanting to think this idea, this larger existential idea. I don't want to think that I'm supporting something that's bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I feel like the average American, right, like, will absolutely say, like, you know, I'm not okay with slavery. I'm not okay with, uh, you know, child children being forced into these conditions, right? But given the choice between having their little candies mm-hmm. uh, and having this continue, or not have it, not being having their little candies, in yeah. being inconvenienced in this way, right? Having the choice between like no camp, no no candy and no slavery or handy but with a little bit of slavery but that i can't really see because it's on the other side of the world i feel yes. like your average I'm person so far would, removed would from go it. with that with yeah. that option and exactly because they're so far removed from it right like and i get it right a lot of human rights issues and a lot of it's issues in the world right uh take ra so far removed that it feels you feel very powerless to do it and then when you actually get come down to like what you might have to do as a citizen to try to get something to happen to try to be able to get rid of it and that sentence is convoluted for a reason because that's how it is <laughs> yeah uh it becomes really hard to be like to to make your to, to force yourself to care because the process by which you would have to like go call your senator or call or like organize with a local organization to potentially lobby the government to potentially to have them talk to the government of like the ivory coast or whatever to be able to potentially get them to lobby with their people to get laws in their place to then be able to say to the comp to like companies like Lancy that you can't do that shit there is insane yeah it's a really long like process push back not... from those companies too because they're not going to yes. do it willingly right Any, oh, of anything that's a struggle they're going to say they don't they're not going to want to change their ways right so they're going to and they have Absolutely. billions of dollars so they're going to want yeah to, the to average person is going to look at that and like and i get it they're you're you're not going to want to try that like it's 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 a reality and it's something that i've been reading about a lot recently is that like the struggle to main to maintain actual to create actual change in the way that it makes sense for people mm-hmm. uh, is a long struggle. A lot of people who yes. devote their devote their time and energy to trying to make the world a better place will not see the fruit of that labor in their lifetime. But that doesn't mean that you have to give up, right? If if everyone gave up and stopped working for the cause that they thought was right and just, yeah, we would, would we wouldn't be in the position. Nothing would change, yeah. right? And it's difficult, and I and like like I don't want anyone to listen to this and think that, oh, like we're condemning you if you buy M and M's or anything like no. that, uh, or that you're bad because it's like 
that's definitely not the case because yeah. we are all stuck in the system. Like I don't have complicit. a choice uh, in terms of where I buy anything, anything. Yeah. Right. Like that's why I don't like when people take moral grandstands against this kind of stuff or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, I don't have an alternative as an individual. There's nowhere I can go and not be subjected to the like evils of capitalism. So no matter what I do, whether I buy like a phone or I buy clothes, like unless I can make everything myself, there's no way I can't not participate in our modern society. It's just absolutely impossible. Yeah. Anything you buy is by the nature, by its very definition, like it's been extracted from some from some place that's used, that it's that has exploited people to be able to do that, that has caused pollution to be able to send it to where you are. Like, yeah. And then people have frankly been, how it is. That's the word I'm thinking of here. Exploited. That's it. To yeah. make that thing at every yeah. stage of uh, that product's development from like sourcing the actual raw material, like you said, to transporting it. Mm-hmm. to refining it are all the different components to assemble to the final product, whatever that is, or service, whatever that is like, there's no escaping it. So like, that's why I'm yeah. saying like, it's not a condemnation of anyone. Like if you buy M and M's, I'm not saying that you support child uh, slavery or anything like that. Like you could just not buy M and M's. You I'm, could I not, that out there. You, you could boycott, you could boycott M and M's. You could boycott M and M's, but like what I'm saying, the larger issue is like, it doesn't matter what yeah, food yeah, you buy yeah. though. It all comes you're, down you're to like the be same thing in some way. So there's no right or So if you like M and M's, continue to eat M and M's. Um, if you want, because like I said, there's we we don't have an option to 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 opt out of the system, mm-hmm. no matter what aspect we're looking at. Yeah, if you stop buying M and M's and you start buying, I don't fucking know, Coffee Crisp, like they're gonna have a, you're gonna have a same, you're gonna have a same issue somewhere down the line, right? So the answer is not well. (laughs) Don't do any, don't move, just stand completely still, (laughs) you know, and waste away. No, part of what part of it is is like what you said. It's a long and complicated process to get change, but right now it's that's the only way. And like, if that's something you believe in, right, like you can make choices of what you buy. We have a whole episode about how you voting with your dollar doesn't really do that much. But it does like if enough people were to do it, it would potentially make a difference. It would have to be know. like organized effort. It would be, be, be a huge organized effort. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, if it's something that you care about, you've it, like, there's nothing stop. Like, I, I don't want people to come, come to hear us and be like, well, there's nothing like there's no gloom, gloom and doom no, is all the, over the world. The message so isn't here. Isn't, <laughs> don't nothing matters. I mean, I guess if you're a nihilist, then sure, nothing matters. Then continue be being an a nihilist. nihilist if you want. But no, it's small changes. So even if it is buying, just taking, for example, M&Ms, maybe... Mm-hmm. Oh, I buy it once a month or I buy it once a week. Well, maybe it's reducing how often I buy it. Yeah. So instead of buying a pack of M&Ms uh, once a day or once a week, I'll buy it yeah. twice a month or I'll buy or it like, every two months or one, once a year, once six, every, you know, just reduce yeah. how much, how much it is that, that you, you purchase of that particular. Reducing thing. is super important. We've, uh, we've also talked about this <laughs> but like yeah uh the alternative is not oh well let me go buy from another company right like the alternative capitalism always presents the option of like oh well you can buy from this buy your way out of it and it's like buy your way out of it right (laughs) but realistically 
if you're reducing your consumption, that is definitely the ideal place to, place to go. And maybe I don't know, maybe look into different chocolate alternatives. Maybe you have a com- maybe you have a maybe there's like a local place near you that like sources coffee uh, or coffee or chocolate from uh, a reputable source and knows where it's coming from. Right? I don't know. Yeah, there are other things to like possibly like, that look into. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the the point is not like just doom and gloom. Don't bother, but. Yeah. It will take it takes work. Like and that's the that's the yeah. thing is that it takes work. And I think part of how we end up in these situations is because people don't want to do the work. So it's just like, oh, no, this is easier. For sure. So we'll just we'll just do that. Really wild that the Supreme Court threw out the lawsuit, I will say. That's fucking nuts to me. Yeah, but I mean I guess it makes sense because that means you would have to be accountable for like a whole bunch of other things in the name of American capitalism. Oh no, accountability. But, yeah, but they don't want that though. Right? <laughs> they don't want accountability. Realistically, for sure. For no, sure. why why would why would we do that to like our own economy slash companies and stuff? Yeah, right. If we're would, saying this that this is worthy, right? If we're saying that our goals are noble, that you're not gonna take something you're not gonna yeah. rule against that essentially no so, it, it would totally it would totally set a precedent for other lawsuits yeah. like this and god knows you let one of the they know they probably know like you let one of these bad boys through it just opens the floodgates yeah. to the million of human rights violations that have been done by american corporations over the years no no, no for sure <laughs> and so this speaks to again so talk, going back to like the actual ad campaign uh, in terms of like switching up their marketing and all this stuff this goes to show like not only as like a diversionary tactic, possibly uh, by Mars in this case, because, uh, you know, we listed like what, like eight companies, not all of them came out with rebrands for like their products. But what it does speak to is that what we value as a society, like we all heard about the M&M rebrand. We all heard about Tucker Carlson and other reactionaries talking about how they're less sexy, less, less fuckable. Right. Like we all heard that. We all talked about memes about all that stuff was created. People who are more progressive slash left leaning talked to push back against the ridiculousness of that take. Right. Like that's all like I heard about about that stuff. And it's only like one or two uh, YouTube videos that yeah. I watched that even talked about the child How slavery. How many heard about that? The right. Slavery, slavery thing. And so, yeah, you can say it's diversionary by Mars or whatever, but it also speaks to our society in general, but what we actually want to hear about and what we actually care about as a society. Yeah. And so we rather would talk about sexy M&Ms or how not sexy they are than actually talk about something serious that is actually going on in the world. Like it makes sense that a news outlet like Fox News would decide to focus on like if on, you know, the rebranding of the M&Ms to be less, to be more woke, right? Rather than the child slavery lawsuit that didn't go through in the United States. But like, I, I think to your point, yeah, like countless other, like you sent me eight, like basically eight different articles from like Forbes to the Washington Post to the NY Times. There's not even counting Vi- social to, media. To Vice. Stuff. Yeah. All about just like paragraphs detailing the specific design changes of each M&M character. Yeah. Right? Not a single one addressed the fact that this child slavery lawsuit didn't go through and yeah on top and all the social media attention this got right like we live in a real we live in a really weird world now where like the the, your average person can be a media outlet if you have a big enough platform right yeah um and 
the exact exactly that right the amount of like the proportion of people talking about the m&m rebrand versus the this potential thing that is linked to the company that that is right it's not even like the m&m things rebranding thing sparked a conversation about the child slavery thing which presumably it could right it like could if somebody have. looked into if somebody looked into m to, to to mars right the company they might have seen that around that same time that happened like i said uh, there was only like which, one or two things that i saw about it that even brought it to my which attention some people, which some people did but yeah. it's in the vast vast minority yes so there it is so we'll end uh there yeah. uh so alex do you have anything that you would like to plug before we go oh god too much too much uh, hey everybody uh you know uh i'm gonna plug my my socials uh if you like what you hear here uh and uh you know what i do otherwise i'm a writer i'm a i'm a podcast person uh i make music as well uh you can find me on socials that's at crustaceous c-r-u-z-t-a-c-i-o-u-s uh that's on instagram and twitter um in terms of stuff that's going on uh i'm in a couple things uh if you're if you're a montreal listener the Montreal Saint Ambroise Fringe Festival is mm-hmm. happening. I don't know. It might be. It might be done by the time this uh, this this episode aiming, airs. Aiming for June, so we'll see. Aiming for June. Yeah. Well, it goes week. on until it go, goes on until mid June. Uh, so I, I'm in a show called A Little Bit Pregnant. Uh, it's a fun. It's like a comedy uh, about these two couples. One of them just finds just found out that they are uh, pregnant. Uh, and they don't know if they want to, you know, they're a young couple. They don't know if they're going to want to keep it and all the turbulations of what that entails. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I play a pretty decent, pretty decent role in it. Uh, and it goes on from the uh, 13th of June to the 19th of June. You can find the dates uh, online if you go to the Montreal Fringe website or just search for A Little Bit Pregnant on Facebook. Uh, would love to see you there if you want to come out and support uh, the indie arts. Nice. So thank you for listening to this episode of Aim for the Bushes. I've been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. With me again today, special podcast person, Alex. If so- I were an Eminem, I would be... Oh, God. Oh, no, I started this bit and now I can't end it. Um, I would... <laughs> I would be... Purple. Purple. Oh, that's a new color they could incorporate into their uh, spectrum. But uh, was it music for this episode has been provided by Mia Pearson. Go check her out on SoundCloud if you haven't already. She's a very talented artist, so go support her. Thank you for listening. Everyone, please stay safe. Get vaccinated if you can. Wear your masks. Wear your masks. No war. Peace. Peace.